The Fatback 3 podcast, every Monday at 4 p.m. I can't help but live in the moment Eyes lock when you talk, it's slow motion Well, your eyes, they look like the sun of the ocean You look amazing to me Sometimes it feels right, I can't help but show it Fatback 3 podcast every Monday at 4 pm. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fatback 3 football podcast. This week, we're going to be dis- discussing uh, what's happened in football over the last couple of weeks uh, in the Premiership and the Championship. Sadly, tonight we're not a Fatback 3, we're actually a Fatback 2. Um, Mr. Oxley is not here. Um, I think he's either having rows with somebody on Twitter again, or he's probably watching Songs of Praise with his missus. Oh, yeah, Sulking Cosnell Castle lost. Yeah, or Sulking Castle lost. That could be right. So it's just me and uh, Mr. Wiggins this week. So evening, Wig. Evening, mate. So it's been a bit busy again over the last couple of weeks uh, with the football. It's on every night, which I know we've had plenty of discussions and we absolutely love it. And uh, we're starting to get to the nitty gritty now. Um, so we're just going to be go on over everything that's. Uh, it's coming towards the end. So, um, obviously, last time we were on, um, Liverpool had just um, secured the title. Um, obviously, the last game after that, when they played uh, the game after that, when they played Manchester City, I think uh, they got they took a bit of an hiding didn't they, that night. <laughs> they did, yeah, I remember, yeah. The, uh, I think they must have been on the uh, been on both. Still on other. Yeah, yeah they're defending like uh, defending like me and you. <laughs> Worse than that, mate. Yeah, no, but like I said, they've worked hard all season, they've been fantastic and uh, I suppose they'll have an off night there, but they've obviously they've picked up a couple of good results. Uh, Villa, well, they worked brilliant against Villa and then uh, played quite well the other night against Brighton, but obviously drew yesterday. So, but um, City are kicking on again, another, another good win last night. Um, I don't know about you, mate, but I think we discussed this on the last show. They've certainly been one of the best sides um, since lock since uh, we come back from lockdown. I don't know what you think. Since lockdown, I think they've been head and shoulders above everybody else, and I just think if I don't know why, but they seem to it seems to have done them a favour, and they're playing they're playing better than they did before lockdown. I just think that if they'd played like that, for first part of the season before lockdown then it might I'm not saying Liverpool wouldn't have won the league because I still think they would but they might have at least pushed them close they're technically well, it's so good to... though when they're playing football it's like I've, I've seen them on Sky when they're talking about them and Liverpool and the, the, technically they are I think on the ball uh, the players wise a far better team than Liverpool but Liverpool have been so obviously well organised well drilled um, the front, front three again the defence have just been exceptional and um, I think I suppose for City fans out there, they're probably frustrated that they didn't hit this form early on in the season. I think with, with City, they've got a bit of um, because because they've had um, Laporte injured and uh, the lost company, obviously. I think they've got a bit of a soft underbelly, and like when, for example, when they played Spurs and Spurs beat them, they absolutely battered us. But we still beat them. But you don't really see that happening with Liverpool because even if um, Liverpool have a bad game, now they've got because they've got a really solid foundation, haven't they? With um, Van Dijk and, and, and Allison, and then even if they're playing poor, if they really wanted to, they could just lump ball forward and they've, and them three up they've got up front are just absolutely outstanding and they can just rip anybody apart. I yeah. think a lot of the time it's just they're not if they're not playing brilliant football they'll just get ball to them three and something happens, doesn't it? Yeah, I think if um, I don't know what you think, but if if you was if you were City manager next season, where would you look to strengthen? I I, I just I think defensively, most definitely. I think they've got um, 
abundance of midfielders. Um, I don't, I don't know, but maybe even a, maybe even a, a top striker because when Aguero's injured, Gabriel Jesus is a bit hit and miss. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think the, the telling bit with Man City is the lost company. They haven't got another natural leader in that back line since he's gone. They're and I think you can tell. Centre-backs, they're hard to come by. You know, really good, top-class centre-backs. And you're talking top money, aren't you? It's like when Liverpool obviously got Van Dijk, obviously everybody were laughing at the price tag, but... You look at you look around now, and it's like I know they've been linked with um, the the fellow at Napoli. I can't pronounce his name. Uh, uh, cool. Yeah, Kulibaly. Cool, cool uh, I've he, heard he, a lot about him. I've not really watched him that much, no, but much. Uh, if you're going to get someone like that over, you're going to be talking seventy-eight pound at, at the very least. Um, oh yeah, you need you need um, a big commanding centre back that. Um, he's going to organise his defence, but so that that is an expensive player to start with. Yeah. But the way that Man City want to play is they want somebody who can um, who's good with ball at his feet as well. So then that narrows it down quite a lot, and then you can add twenty million on just for them characteristics. So yeah, I think like I think we've just been saying about striker as well, and uh, I think they're doing. I would say they do need another striker, um, to be honest with you. Obviously, Sergio Aguero's been absolutely sensational for Manchester City, but he's getting to an age where he's picking up injuries quite regular. Um, and I do agree about Jesus. He, he looks, some days looks very good, some days not so good. And I think sometimes, if you look at someone like um, someone like Manchester United, where they've got people like Martial and Rashford that, can not just play central, they can play out wide, and I think City maybe need... Yeah, Aguero doesn't really do that. Yeah, neither does Jesus. Well, I think Jesus can do it, but I think they need someone potentially like that that can kind of, you know, utilise them front three positions and um, make it a bit easier for, for selection, because I think with City, they obviously, Sterling very rarely gets rested. Um, I think they've missed Sané as well, you know. Yeah. Well, they'll miss United, think, yeah. think, Well, exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he's, he's top quality, him. Yeah. Um, I, I like Riyad Mahrez. I think uh, he's been another one that... I think now he's played a bit more regular for City this year. I think you've seen a better better player because I think when he did move from Leicester, obviously, or brilliant at Leicester, and he's in and out of the team all the time. And I think... I don't know. I think City have probably got to look at... They tend to make probably more changes than most of that most of them teams um and i think they maybe need to look a bit more settled um, well, I, I, I think what 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 liverpool what what city have got is like so say, say like they've got they've got sterling on there and then they had sané but he's now gone and they've got mares so they're brilliant wide attacking players but the difference between if you put any of them three up as a front three for Man City, the difference between them Man City front three and Liverpool front three are is any of them Liverpool front three, you could play them as a striker if you wanted to. You couldn't play Maras as a striker. Yeah, yeah, I think like so. Although they are good, they're just not they're not goal getters as such. They do get goals, obviously, but yeah. But like Liverpool, like you say, I think it's a strength in depth, and obviously the thing is with Liverpool. I won't say they've been lucky with injuries. Well, they've been quite fortunate not to pick many injuries up this year and that could be something Liverpool could maybe look at strengthening as in, I don't know, maybe cover or something like that because if anything does happen to one of them front three or obviously Van Dijk, I don't know if they've got players like City have that can come and step in uh, for five, six, seven games plus to, to maintain that kind of form. Um, no, I mean, they've got... Um... They've got Origi, who I quite like, to be fair, but I, I, he's not he's not in the same bracket as um, Firmino and Mo Salah and Mane. He's not in the same bracket as them, is he? And um, then at back, I like Joe Gomez. I think he's quality. But yeah. if, if Gomez or um, Van Dijk's injured for any length of time, he's, you've got Lovren and... No, not for me. Yeah. So 
that, like you say, they have been fortunate. So yeah. Im- imagine, I mean, Laporte to Man City is basically what Van Dijk is to Liverpool. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, and they were missing Laporte for quite a lot. Imagine if Liverpool were missing Van Dijk. Yeah. Now, there's been some games I've seen with Liverpool and he's just been absolutely outstanding. Every cross that's come in, he's been on end of every single cross and he would be a massive miss if he were injured. Uh, and like I said, lucky for Liverpool, he hasn't been. Yeah. Um, if if Man City had less injuries this year or if Liverpool had more, it would have been closer. I think, I, I still yeah. think Liverpool would have won it. Yeah. But I, I would have liked it to to go to wire just for, from a neutral point of view to make it more interesting. I think um, going back to Manchester City in the squad, I think one player that's really impressed me um, since uh, we've come back from lockdown, and I'm hoping he'll get more regular football next year, and that's Phil Foden. Yeah, I like him. He's a really um, good player. I think he's such a young talent, and obviously, there's I think probably City fans out there, and not just City fans, but football fans, we've all. A lot of us you see on social media are saying, why the hell is he not, is he not playing regular? Because he's such a talented player, blah, 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 blah. And I think, obviously, with David Silva leaving end of this year, and I think you've seen in these last few weeks uh, what that lad can offer. And I think it's only good for, not just for City, but for England as well, because we've got... He's a perfect replacement for him, I think. I think his style oh, yeah. is, is very, very similar. His low sense of gravity, his touch yeah. on the ball. His creativity, he just remind. To be fair, it just reminds me of him in a way. Um, and uh, I really, sincerely hope he does play regular and obviously kick on and, and push for that England squad. Cause I think Pep said earlier in the season, didn't he? He was asking why he weren't playing more, and 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 then he got asked about uh, David Silva, and David Silva's obviously. Is he retiring or is he just leaving Man City? End I, think, of season? I think just leaving Man City. Um, I think I don't know if he's been offered a contract in Qatar or something like that. I don't know. Right. Big old concrete, but uh, as far as I'm aware, I don't think he's retiring. Um, but, but yeah, Cause I, but, cause I think so, Pep, Pep basically said he's got a replacement for him already. He's already at club and yeah. he's uh, yeah. Phil Foden. I think he'll be, be like a new signing for City next year as well. Yeah, uh, it's pretty like for like. When he when he kicks in there, so. But anyway, um, moving on. Um, looking at the table, the um, the Champions League spots. It's uh, it's another place that's getting uh, very interested in. And before we obviously we come on here, um, discussing uh, Manchester United, and I was kind of a bit surprised looking at the table that um, to win tomorrow night, they uh, they go third in the table. And I must admit, obviously we've had. <laughs> Obviously, Mr. Oxley got uh, called out about Manchester United the other week, didn't he, on Twitter? He did, yeah. Um, and it pains me to say this as a as a Leeds fan, but um, they're a weird one, I think. I think you watch them some days, especially going forward, and they look very, very strong and look very, very good. And then some days they might play, I don't know, somebody mid-table and struggle, and they just don't seem to click. I don't know what you'll think. I, I, I think with them, when you're watching them play, at minute, they're like, they go for throat straight away. And like, cause you see some teams and they get to final thing, they're trying to overplay it and move ball side to side to create that space. And they don't seem to do that as such. They just seem to just go for throat. So I, I don't know but it's, it's a weird one because I think they're, they're kind of playing above themselves, really. Um, going back to days when uh, Fergie were in charge, when you looked at team on paper, sometimes, not the early Fergie teams, because we looked through them teams on paper and they were phenomenal, but towards back end, just before Fergie retired, that some of them teams, you just on paper and you just you just thought, no, it's not going to happen this year. The thing you see, I'm sorry to interrupt you, mate. Um, it's like with that front three at Manchester United at the moment. You've got uh, Mason Greenwood, Martial and Rashford. I think on the day, yeah, they're as good as... I think they scored more goals than the Liverpool front three this year. Am I, 
I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about numbers, but yeah, um, they're not far off. But and then you see some fans of, of Man United, and next year we'll we'll be up there. We'll, be, but I'm just not convinced for the through the entire team that they can challenge City, they can challenge Liverpool and win week in week out. Cause there always seems to be some kind of blip somewhere in the, the slip up. Um, you go through that Man United team. Um, obviously, De Gea always blunders every now and again. I'm, I'm a big fan of Harry Maguire, but you see a mistake in him. Um, and I, I, I don't. I, I'm not convinced, and I think the midfield. Pog, when Pogba's on it, yeah, Pogba's great, but you don't get it out of Pogba for a full season. No, I, I just think that. Pogba's doing all right at minute because team's doing all right, but as soon as they get into a bad run, he'll he'll sulk and then he'll be he'll be pants again. That's that's I get that impression. Yeah, like of, I said, of when Pogba. they click, I think if they do click and they do add a couple of players, that they could be along with Chelsea, they could be they could be challenged. They could be a very very good league next year. But I don't know. I'm just not. They're good to watch at times, but I'm just not overly convinced that. I just think at the moment that the way that they're playing, take Liverpool and City out of it. I just think that they're the best of the rest at the moment, and and next season Chelsea's got a couple of signings to come in. I think in in reality the way that it's way that teams are playing now. I know Chelsea got beat uh, yesterday by Sheffield United, but their form post lockdown's been pretty good to be fair and they are playing some nice football I think based on the way that the games are going towards back end of the season you should ideally be well I think you're probably looking at a top four of Liverpool City as first and second and then Man United and Chelsea as third and fourth not necessarily in that order Um, and then I think Way teams are playing at the minute, I think there's there's a big gap between top four and then and then rest. Because I don't, I think Leicester's having a good season. Poor result today, but they're having a good season. They're up there, but I don't, I don't honestly think that they'll replicate that next season again. They've been quite lucky with yeah. injuries. I think they're just a team that's playing above themselves. I don't think Sheffield United will replicate it next season. Um. So I, I don't know. I, I think I think I, is it since Bruno Fernandes has come to Manu have, have they not lost yet? Is that is that still case? Unbeaten, I think aren't they unbeaten in I don't know sixteen seventeen games or something? But I, I must admit he does make them tick, and he has surprised me how well he's fitted in that in that team that quickly, um, and that's why. As much as they get criticised, the like I said, the win tomorrow night in the third in league, and I know Manchester United fans are probably looking at it and thinking, well, we should be challenging every year like we have done for the last twenty odd year plus. But it's just the way it goes at times, and obviously it just proves how good Alex Ferguson was. Um, oh, yeah, that last that last year he was in charge. That that last league title he got. It were an absolute miracle how we won league yeah. with that squad. Because yeah. on paper, you'd look at start season and think, no, no way. But I, I just feel like they're still, in my opinion, four or five players away from getting near Liverpool and, and Man City. And yeah, they are. They're, they're, uh, just, they're miles off, I think. Of the course of a full season, yeah. they'd, they'd be, they'd be found I'm, out. I'm not convinced. Yeah, they've got some good, very good attacking players, but I'm not overly convinced that they can make a t- title challenge with that squad they've got at the moment. But, no, no, not, like not say, even close. Like to give them credit um, for what they've done. But anyway, moving on, um, I'm going to talk a bit, a little bit about um, our old mate VAR. Um, there's two particular. Oh, decisions don't get me started. <laughs> there's two particular decisions that obviously I know we've we've both seen. Um, I'll go with the first one. Um, the Sheffield United. Tottenham game, um, which obviously I know you'll have very very strong views about. Yeah. Um, what my views on these, the, the handball, obviously that well I say handball loosely, but um, with Lucas Moura, um, 
this handball rule that's been brought in this year, I, I just find astonishing. Um, the one that sticks out in my mind, which will probably hurt you even more, is uh, the Champions League final one last year. Cause yeah, because he blasted ball. It would go yeah. nowhere near goal. It hit his hand, and that's in first I minute. Just and don't it ruined get the entire game. How, how it can, the, the, the interpretation of a handball um, can be given like, like Lucas Mora. When obviously the thing is as well for me, I think I, I think I did have a chat with you about this after. And when the when the video ref, well, video and whatever they're called, like they're doing rugby league, and and like we said, why, why did they not? Yeah, he handballed it. Obviously, it were not intentional and it shouldn't have been given. But at the very least, why should it not have been taken back as a free kick? Well, what I don't understand in this is, and I'll get on. I'll get on to uh, the brought VAR in a broader sense in a minute. But what I don't understand is, if you look at it, it was clearly fouled. It was clearly fouled, and as he's falling, the ball hits his... Looking at the replays, to me, it's still inconclusive to whether it hits his actual arm or not. And then as he's falling, right, the foul's gone. So he's fouled him. So the ref waves, like, for an advantage. But then the ball falls to a Sheffield United player. So at that point, his handball, if you want to, whatever you want to call it, didn't gain him an advantage because it fell to a Sheffield United player. Now, it's not Spurs' fault that the Sheffield United player then then leathered the ball as hard as he could. It hit Lucas Mora on top of his arm slash shoulder, and then it fell to Harry Kane. So for me, he ain't gained an advantage from it because Sheffield United got possession from it. Just because Sheffield United immediately gave ball away, it doesn't mean it, it, that that's not Spurs' fault, is it? No. They've given ball away. He didn't have to launch it like that. And then and then he pulls it back and disallows it because it's an handball. It shouldn't be an handball anyway because he's falling, so he couldn't do anything about it. But not only that, if he is going to disallow it for handball, which in my opinion he shouldn't have done anyway because, like I say, it dropped to a Sheffield United player, then... Why did he not pull it back for the free kick? But he didn't. Well, it's like I said to you. Um, obviously, I watch rugby league as well. And if they're going to a, the video referee for a, 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 a supposed try or no try, if it's, for example, that they get held up but they don't get the ball down, they still get the ball back because then it's... Um, well, yeah. so that's... I think that's where football have got to try and look at little situations like that because they're kind of making a rod off their own back um, because when we move on to the second decision um, regarding the Bruno Fernandes penalty the other night um, I still can't get my head round why the referees when we, I can remember a game originally I think it was something like France it was an international friendly I think it was France Spain or something like that and you could see the referee or go and um, go and check the screen, and I, I still can't get my head round why. I think they've done it on one or two occasions this year. I've seen it a couple of times since lockdown. Gone they should be all screen. doing it, in my yeah, opinion, because yeah, they should. Today, it should, the referee should be in charge. What is the point of having them there? You, you might as well just say to somebody up. I'll just be one monitoring pitch round on the pitch, but somebody upstairs on a computer, he's referee. Technically, referee in the game, but still getting it wrong. For me, for, for me, VAR is causing more problems and controversies than than we ever had before we had it. Like the Bruno Fernandez one, he stood on the lad's leg. So you could argue Bruno Fernandez actually fouled him, but he gave the penalty. But you, but you know something, I don't know what you'll think, right? You know, in the full speed of time, um, I did have a few beers back time I watched this game, right? but in full speed, it did look a foul on Fernandez. Yeah, it did. And then when it showed you it back, and it showed you obviously him spinning, and then his, obviously his foot standing on, on the lad's, what it comes to, um, on his shin... But I can't understand, right, how someone can say that, right? Because they're trying to make out as though it's this clear and obvious... Exactly, but, but it's nonsense, though. They, they keep using this clear and obvious as a get-out clause, and they use this clear and, clear and obvious thing all the time. 
But for me, if they spend three minutes watching replays, it isn't clear and obvious. What they should do is they should look, VAR should look and, and uh, the, the video and then say to the referee, actually, mate, you might want to go and watch that and double check because you might... You might want you might want to check because we think there's a possibility that you got that one wrong. And then referee could say, well, yeah, I, I, I thought that I thought that he was tripped up. Then he'd go to monitor and go, actually, I thought wrong. It wasn't tripped up. Therefore, and do it that way. But as well as that, for me, you can't have an ex-player referee in a game. You can't have it because it just doesn't happen. There aren't any ex-players that are, that are refs, are there? They just don't exist. But for me. This is an op- the, the the VAR room is an opportunity to have instead of having a referee sat in a room with a load of screens, why not have a referee and an ex-player? So you've got a referee, you've got an ex-player's point of view as well. So then the referee, so then the ex-player can say, "There's no way in that situation that you can get out of the way, or there's no way that that he intended to do that, or or whatever," because what what it's supposed to do is. It's supposed to be like, like with an offside decision. If you're offside, you're offside. There's no, there's no. In my opinion, you're offside, and in somebody else's opinion, you're not. If it shows you're offside, you're offside. But decisions like that that are based on opinions, it's just one person's opinion in a video room. So, but that's not over, right. They're, overcompli- they're overcomplicating it all, I think, because, like you said, going back to that Fernandez one. I just cannot see how this clear and obvious error, when it, it is a clear and obvious error. Now, in full speed of a play, yeah, I, I honestly thought it were a penalty. But obviously, when you see the replay back, but I just think, right, if the bloke that's in the, uh, whatever it is, the computer place, uh, not St. George's Park, it's somewhere else, in it? I've forgotten what it's called, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, if someone's in there... And they think, right, well, so-and-so's always reffing, oh, yeah, I need you to, to have a look at this, um, see what you think. But then, obviously, the referee is just going off the opinion of that bloke in the in the, um, in the the chair or wherever, wherever he's Yeah, watching. I think the final decision should be with the referee on the well, pitch. This is why I don't get why the referees don't go and got... They can sprint... They're having these bloody water breaks, so why can't they go and sprint 30 seconds? They're, fit, they're all fit blokes. Exactly. If we're, if we're having these water breaks, why can't we have these? All it takes, it doesn't, it doesn't have to, yeah, you might do it four or five times a game, but end of the day, this VAR is brought in to obviously make help the referees, and it's not helping the referees because no. end of the day, they're in charge. They should make the final decision. So yeah. if that bloke who's assisting him saying, right, I think you should have a look at this, mate, runs to the thing and, and says, right, I either yeah. agree or disagree. Because Mourinho called it. Sorry, 90, Mar- go on, go on, go on. Sorry. 90% of the time, I think if the referee looks at the screen himself, I think at least 95% of the time, you will get a correct decision. Yeah, because the referee gives a decision based on what he what he thinks he saw. Then if he goes to the monitor and he go and and he look at the monitor and go, well, actually, I thought I thought I saw this, but clearly I didn't. But I think the fright to death are either breaking the supposed rules of football bodies have get, given them, or fright to death, death to disagree with the person that's watching the game. Well, yeah, they don't want to. Or the people that, that are assessing to, them, or what? I yeah, don't know. I think they don't want to be seen to undermine the, the the referee that's on the pitch. And like Mourinho called it spot on. He said, "the the man on the pitch is not the referee." The man on the pitch is the referee's assistant because the referee is sat at Stockley Park. Mm. And that's the way it is. It shouldn't be like that. No, it People at Stockley Park should say to the referee, you might want to watch that back, mate. I understand why you've given a penalty because it looks like you were tripped, but watch it back and I'm not convinced you are. And that's the why referee can make decision. They need to, um, that's why I think they need to really, uh, when the season's finished, really sit down and... Cause, I'm in favour of AR, if I'm honest with you. Um, I'm in favour with the technology. I think it's good, but... Just not the way they I use it. it needs, yeah, it just needs tweaking. It just needs changing a little bit. And end it there, we all have a talking point. That's why we, me and you were doing this show. But 
it just needs a bit of common sense because there's some teams out there that are getting decisions against them, and it, and it's just we're getting to a point now. It's, it could potentially cost teams millions of pounds or trophies. Or... So I know, I know Villa have had some shockers against them, haven't they? Yeah. And um, there were one. It's come to a point now where if VAR makes the correct decision, I'm actually shocked. And there were one in Villa game today where it looked like someone stood on Jack Grealish's toes. But when you watched it on VAR, it were actually the other way around and they overturned it and, and it, were the right, it were the right decision. But the vast majority of ones that you see, I'm not including offsides in it because, like I say, if you're offside, you're offside, whether it's an eyelash or, or what, it doesn't matter, it's, you're offside. But these ones that are opinions, that that's the problem. They're just... It's not VAR isn't the problem. It's the way that it's used and the, and yeah. the person that's using it that's the, that is the problem. Plus, if, it, plus if it's uh, Jack Grealish, it should be an exception anyway, so it should have stamped on him harder. <laughs> don't like him much, do you? No, not at all. Um, no. Anyway, uh, we could probably talk all night about VAR, but uh, we'll move on. Um, obviously, today's games, um, obviously, Wig, you'll be happy with today's result with Spurs. Yeah, I'm, I'm at moon with your with result today, but I'm more happy about that players actually looked like they gave a shit for the first time in quite a while, um, to be honest. Uh, typical, first half were decent, second half were, were just typical Mourinho, really. Um, and I think in end, uh, I think Arsenal goalkeeper were pretty good today, to be fair, and he saved a couple. It could have been, it could have been more comfortable in end, but End of day, it's three points. Take three points. Um, what do you think's best case scenario for the end of the season? Then, do you think try and squeeze the Europa? Do you want to be in the Europa with a backlog of games? Well, the thing is, I like to watch. I like to watch Spurs play as much as I can. Mm. So, the more games they play in a year, the better it is for me because I get to watch more. Yeah, yeah. But it depends with, with Europa because. You, you can say, oh, yeah, it's a waste of time competition. It isn't, it isn't. The, I think the early parts at Europa, where you're travelling God knows where, out of Mongolia for a game on a first, for a Thursday night, and then you're flying back and then you're playing on Sunday, because, as you know, Premier League don't do English teams that are in, in European competition any favours. No. That is a problem. And I, I, don't, I don't, and I don't, I'm not one of these that, that that goes down the oh yeah um, they've got they played on a Thursday they've played on a Sunday so they'll be tired. I, I'm I don't believe in that. I just think these guys are professional athletes so they should be able to do it. It's utilising squads, though, isn't it? I think. Yeah. But what I do where I do think it interferes and does give teams a disadvantage is, for example, if you play on a Saturday and then you play on the following Saturday, you've got the week to. Because as you know, football teams in this day and age, they specifically prepare for who their next opponent is. So say you're playing somebody who's not in a European competition and they've got a week to prepare to play against you, but you're playing in a European competition on the Thursday. Thursday's a a bad day, isn't it? Because the day after is a recovery day, then you've only really got the Saturday to prepare to play on the Sunday. So the opposition automatically has an advantage because they've got all week to prepare where you've got one day because you spent the rest of the week preparing for that European game. So although I don't I, I don't buy the, oh, you've got a disadvantage because players are tired, yeah, you've got more chance of picking up injuries, but I do think it affects your preparation for the game. Yeah. So it depends. So early early stages, if, if they use the competition to play some squad players and they use it and, and they say to them squad players you play well in these Europa games show me what you've got and then it, it could put you it, it could move you up pecking order when it comes to team selection for Premier League games then I'm all for it yeah I think it's probably for your guys it's obviously finishing the season on a high and getting as finishing as high up the table as as possible, I think. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's it's one of them where winning breeds confidence at the end of the day. So yeah, you, you want to win. 
and then see what obviously obviously you know yourself you, you'll need to add in the summer to to obviously potentially try and get back in that top four um the season after um yeah and there's no reason why you can't it's just obviously there's a lot of competition up there now so i think that's what makes it interesting really um for, from from a premier league fan point of view um the, well that that's this is the problem that the problem that Spurs face is that when they hired Pochettino, he had like a five-year plan, and the plan was to make Spurs into a team that could finish in top four um, on a consistent basis by the end of his five, by the end of the initial five years. So the the problem is he was kind of a victim of his own success, where it did it kind of did that ahead of schedule. And then they got complacent in transfer market and spent nothing and then went backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you've got to invest. Every club now has got to invest. Not 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 just to improve and keep trying to finish Iron League. They've got to do it simply to keep up with everybody else. Yeah. Um moving on anyway to uh well, same sticking with Spurs. Uh, I don't know your thoughts on this anyway, but um Obviously, Eric Dyer early on in the week received a, a four-match ban for jumping in the crowd um, to confront a fan. Um, what's your thoughts? Do you think it'd be a big loss, obviously, to the team? Obviously, just moved into centre-half. Um, what do you think? I think since um, after lockdown, he's actually been one of Spurs' better players. But previous to that, it'd been really poor for, for 18 months. He'd had all sorts of injuries and then he had to have his appendix removed, etc. He was playing in, in old in midfield. He were just... He, he, he weren't at his best at all, but you can't point the finger at him because none of the team had been. So, it's just... He gets he gets a run of games at a position that he prefers and he looks like he's starting to get into swing of things and starting to look OK. And then he gets handed this ban. It's just, it's one of them where you know he's going to get the ban because regardless of what the reasons or excuses are for him going into crowd, you just can't do it simply. It's so inconsistent though with these bans. We were talking about this, weren't we, uh, early on in the week and obviously a couple of examples um, from a from a Leeds point of view. Um, Kiko Kassia with, with his racial charge, um, I think it was back in October, um, and it just seemed to take four or five months or so to... Yeah, I don't understand it. Um, Some things they'd seem to deal with straight away, which is what they should do. And, um, then, and then Mitrovic, the other week, was done in two days, three days. Th- this is my point. I don't understand why some things take forever and some things they do straight away. And it's just the inconsisten- inconsistency of it all. And if if you cast your mind back to Deli Ali receiving that ban, yeah, I was just thinking of that Yeah, so if you link Deli Ali, because and then so because then people have said people are trying to do do comparisons, and they said like Eric Dyer protects his brother from from an abusive fan for match ban. Now I'm not saying that he shouldn't have been banned because he should have. That's not the issue. But then if you look here, Jack Grealish who it breaks the lockdown rules to go to a party, has a few too many beers and crashes his car. Ganduzi for Arsenal, chokes a player, physically chokes a player during a game, nothing. Kyle Walker breaks lockdown rules and goes out to allegedly have some form of sex party. No punishment. Yet... Because then people were saying, yeah, but you can't really compare Jack Grealish and Kyle Walker because they're not football-related incidents. So then I said, well, what about Deli Alley? Were that football-related? No, it weren't. So what's the difference? My point is, both of them did deserve a punishment. They absolutely did. It's just There's just too much inconsistency with it. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I was about to, I was about to jump in and say that to you, but yeah, like you said, the social media one, um, the FA do clamp on them, and like you say, what Grealish and uh, Kyle Walker did, and 
nothing got done. But no, I, I agree, mate. Um, but like I said, that's uh, that's. The end of the day, the role the, these football players these days, the role models, aren't they? Yeah. And they're supposed to set a positive example to young kids that are following them. And doing yeah. stupid stuff doesn't set an example. And and they and they know this now, and they know they're under the spotlight, and they know that stupid things are gonna get noticed by somebody. They know this. Yeah. So even more reason not to do it. So if they do get caught doing it, they're kind of bringing the game into disrepute. So they're gonna get a ban. They're gonna get a, some punishment of some sort. And I absolutely get that. So that's what I'm saying. They were, they were right to punish Deli Ali because he shouldn't have done what he did. They were right to punish Eric Dyer because he shouldn't have done what he did. But everybody they should treat everybody exactly the same. I don't know what the reasons are yeah. for not doing it, whether they've missed it, whether it's overlooked, whether um, they can't prove that it's actually happened. I don't know, but it just seems so inconsistent. I'm not. I'm not one of these that's saying it's um, it's all like a conspiracy theory and people are FA are conspiring against Spurs like some like some morons are saying. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying there's just no consistency well, at all, like you said, with Casilla. I've said I've said FA have conspiracy against us several times, so I know exactly what you mean. Um, but like I said, that's just the FA for you. But I don't know. Um, anyway, moving on to um, the fight for relegation in the Premiership. Uh, obviously, Bournemouth um, come up with a, a vital win today against Leicester. Um, I think we were pretty much in agreement in the last show of uh, obviously Norwich have, have recently relegated yesterday. Um, I mean, I think we were pretty agreed, if I remember rightly, that we thought it'd be Norwich. Bournemouth and, and Villa, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, we we said that Norwich have 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 been doomed for a while. I, yeah. There were a drift of they were at bottom and there were a drift of 19th place. Yeah. Uh, and they just don't they ain't got anything. They just don't offer anything. So I couldn't see them getting out of it. It would have been an absolute miracle. So that were never going to happen. Bournemouth and Villa have given themselves a, a a good fighting chance with a. Well, with a, yeah. I thought today before a ball were kicked because um, yesterday you had um, West Ham with a convincing win. You had Watford win. That's probably why Ox is not on today. (laughs) 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 Uh, So so then I thought, oh, Villa and Bournemouth are definitely doomed then. And then Villa and Bournemouth both pop up with a win today. So it... I still do. I still do think that them two will go down, but I'm I'm kind of glad they've won both of them because I want to keep it interesting. Yeah, I think if you look at the fixture, I don't know if you've looked at them, mate, but um, West Ham play Watford next week. Yeah, that's a big um, game. That it's a massive game, and then Bournemouth obviously have won today, but then they have to go to Etihad <laughs> in week. So. It's a big ask for Bournemouth, especially, um, I feel. Um, and then I think Villa have to go to... I think I've just been looking. Villa have to go to West Ham in the last game. So, so. you've got v- Villa, West Ham and um, Bournemouth. Like, uh, and Villa, West Ham and Watford, they're, playing, they're all playing each other. So they can't all win, can they? Do you know what I mean? So... Oh, it could happen, yeah. I, I just hope that when it gets to the last game of season, cause you, I don't know what, what, what day it falls on this season. Is it is it a Sunday again? Because they used to always I call it Survival after, Sunday. I think it's after us, mate. I think because we, we finish a week on Wednesday. So I, I think it's the, the following weekend, that weekend coming up after that. Do you know? Um, so it won't be like two weeks today. As far yeah, as I'm just, just looking. It's on the 26th of July. Two weeks today. Yeah. So, so I'm well, hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping it's not. I'm hoping it's still. It's still not decided by then because I love Survival Sunday. It I think it interesting. I think it will, mate. If I'm if I'm honest, I think it will be wrapped up by then. Um, at the very I'm least. Hope, I hope not because, like yeah. I say, I, I love Survival Sunday. I wouldn't love Survival Sunday if I were at teams that were oh, near. By the way. Oh, no, same here. <laughs> but but yeah, no, it's. Uh, Gonna be interesting, I think. Uh, 
down that bottom of like I said they're both uh, give the sends a, a fighting chance so yeah, anyway. I was shocked with Bournemouth today they've come out they've come out of nowhere yeah. Leicester basically gifted them that game yeah they did to be fair um, they did, same again Bournemouth well I don't know Bournemouth have got some good players I, I think they've had quite a lot of bad luck injuries um, this year yeah they have but I just think that Bournemouth the, the one there were one of them where they've been overachieving for for while yeah. they've been in Premier League and it wouldn't it weren't going to last. They've just yeah. done well to last this but long. You look at someone like going off topic a little bit. We look at someone like Burnley. I think Burnley. I think I won that tip. I don't know if I tipped them this year. I might have been the year before. I thought oh, they'll struggle Burnley. I think it won the qualify for Europa League. Mm. Uh, and I thought oh, they'll they'll struggle. And it just shows you someone like Sean Dice what a job he's done. Uh, at Burnley, because I think they're in the top. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're in the top half. I think they are, yeah. Um, similar kind of like I said, scenario to Bournemouth, and it's just it's unbelievable. And but if you look at the way Burnley it, play and look at the way Bournemouth, play, totally different, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you can see Burnley surviving with their style of play because yeah. they're, because they're not going to outplay people at football, but they can potentially outbattle them, and yeah. you know because they're good with good at that second ball. But Bournemouth, the way they're trying to play and they're try, trying to outplay people at football, it's just not going to happen. So, yeah, they're desti- destined to go down at some point. Yeah, I think, like you said, that's my opinion. I think them three, well, them two uh, left. I think they'll be uh, they'll be on. So, anyway, we'll uh, move on to the the championship. Um, this could take a while. It might take a little while, but uh, <laughs> my nerves of been jangling for quite a while now and uh, well I can't put into words what that goal meant to me uh, this afternoon um, from that Spanish beautiful man Mr Hernandez um, well we, we, we thought didn't we? we we were saying and me and Ox were joking we weren't we and saying oh it's Leeds they'll, they'll throw it away they'll they'll just they'll just collapse it's just it's what Leeds do um, but I think this uh, break that you've had, I, I, I think it's done a world of good for Leeds. It's it's a weird one because even now, sat here six points clear with three games to go, I'm not going to categorically say we're up because that would just bite me on the backside. Um, but I think today's result has gave us a massive, massive step forward. Um Six points in in three games. It's yeah. It's, it, it, it's a lot, really, it, isn't it? It's, it's funny because I was speaking to my dad today, and obviously, a lot of people I know obviously like to have a bit of banter about Leeds and and saying, "Oh, look at Brentford coming up," but everybody seems to forget there's another team below us. It, oh yeah. Um, I think it's kind of strange, really, because I think a lot of people they're not nobody's talking about West Brom. Because uh, since the restart, they've been the opposite to you. Where the bit they've been really disappointing. But this is the thing that this is why I'm obviously Brentford have been since they've come back have been sensational, um, and many many teams out there would have at the top would have caved in on, under that pressure. And and I think you're going to give some credit to West Brom in a way as well because obviously I know they didn't have a great result yesterday, but with both. They're still in there. We've both answered Brentford's questions um, and made it really, really obviously tight um, because I think, obviously, barring locked, uh, lockdown, obviously, and I think Brentford have won six on the bounce now, I think we've won... To, I, I, basically, I think we're two points or something behind Brentford in terms of form in the last eight, nine games. Um so, as much as everybody's talking about Brentford at the moment, our form has been in this back end of the season. Obviously, we've had we lost against Cardiff, uh, we drew against Luton, but like I said, we've won three on the bounce again now. Um, I think everybody thought when uh, you you got you got beat we um, Cardiff at Cardiff. I think everybody thought right that's Leeds' as wobble now. Um, they'll go on a bad run and etc. And 
they've picked the sends up, dusted the sends down, and and got on with it, haven't they? Um, so it, I think it, that in past seasons they've not done that, either. they? No, and I think they felt a bit sorry for themselves. Obviously, I I, I listen to. I don't listen to Bales' press conferences like, but uh, I listen to uh, the players' interviews um, before the game and after the game, and and I think you're listening to some of them, and you can see how focused uh, they don't when the journalists ask the questions about, oh, what would it mean to get promoted and and things like that, and all of them turn around and say, look, let's worry about next game, let's worry about next game, um, and even in the play. Um, Obviously, um, Blackburn last Saturday we, we 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 played really well. Obviously Thursday night against Stoke, um, second half we were we were sensational. I know Stoke are not the best side in the league, but some of the football we played and obviously some of the goals we scored in that game, um, just a joy to watch. And as a fan, it were amazing. Um, I saw. Um... Cooper, I think it was Cooper's interview when he was saying um, that before game and stuff that um, he were really nervous and nerves are there and they're, they're a little bit anxious and I don't think that's a bad thing because I think that if they're going into a game and they're, and they're still feeling like that they know that they still need to perform they're not it, being complacent I think it's just how you deal with it it's like I were nervous today. I were nervous on Thursday. I were confident, but I were nervous because you just, I think, because especially for a fan, we've been in this position before and you just, it's like you're frightened of us messing up again. Yeah. And obviously today was very, very tight. It was a tight game um, and we defended well. And it, 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 you watch games and you think, oh, it's going to be a 1 0. And, Luckily, it went our way. Um, but as I say, it's well, it's a massive, massive step um, to getting where we want to get. And I just think looking going down the table, um, I do want us to feel Brentford will uh, will take that second spot. I, I do. I just think way that they're playing and um, West Brom Ben, ben Rama, what a player game. he is. Yeah. Um, Obviously, going into Brentford's game, I don't know. Did you watch Brentford's game yesterday? No, I saw bits of it though. Yeah, what I watched Brentford's game yesterday, and uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a talent, uh, Ben Rama. Um, the, the, his second goal was just superb, cut inside. I saw it. I saw his goal. Yeah, uh... they're, they're an interesting team, Brentford. Um, obviously, with the, they've got two good centre halves um, in Janssen and uh, and Pinnock. And they've got some, like I say, really good attacking talent. And if they don't go up, you've got to fancy them for playoffs, um, to be honest. Um, yeah, they've, they've scored, they've got the best goal difference in the league. Yeah. They've scored the most goals. Um, solid at back as well. And that's, I think that a lot of. Yeah, they've only conceded one goal more than you. Yeah, the perception of Brentford is they're just all out attack and they're not no, brilliant they're at not. the back. They are a good side at the back as well. And. Uh, I think, uh, like I said, that West Brom Fulham game on Tuesday night is going to be um, is going to be very very interesting, and hopefully uh, we'll have it secured maybe this time next week. When when the Leeds we Leeds play, not playing on playing on Wednesday. Thursday we play Barnsley Thursday. on Thursday. Oh night. yeah, I remember you and saying. Then, yeah. uh, we go to uh, Derby next Sunday, which uh, I think. Well, obviously, as a fan, I want to wrap it up as uh, as soon as possible. But I think a lot of fans would uh, would love to secure it at Pride Park. See, Barnsley's not a far gone conclusion, is it? Because oh, it's not. It's not. Um, as I say, I, I think uh, they're fighting. I think Brentford will will beat Preston on Wednesday night. So we're going to have to go again on on Thursday. Um, I'd, I'd like to think that we we, we will. Get pick up three points again on Thursday, but I'd have said that when we played Luton uh, a few weeks back. I'm just looking at the league table now. Look at Barnsley. Barnsley are bottom on 43, but um, a win would well they wouldn't overtake Charlton based on goal difference, but Charlton are just outside three relegation places and they'd be level on points with Charlton, and Charlton are 
pants at the minute, aren't they, really? Yeah, it's... Uh, but, yeah, no, I'd... Uh... Plus, Barnsley will just want to get as many points on board as possible because you can't discount um, Wigan. Because well, if Wigan could have 12 points taken off them... And this is the thing with Barnsley as well. Barnsley's... <laughs> I don't know, you probably won't see Barnsley's next two fixtures after us. Um, they're on to Nottingham Forest and then they have to go to Brentford last game. Mm. So, uh, it don't get much, uh, don't get any easier for Barnsley, to be honest with you. No. Um, but yeah, no, obviously, like I say, I, I know it's not secure. Um, and like I say, I'm hoping uh, this time next uh, this time next week we'd have near enough had it wrapped up. And... Uh, I'll be quite drunk. <laughs> Again. Again, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, obviously, just to finish off, um, we've just been talking about the bottom of the league. Um, obviously, we the Wigan points deduction now, I think everything's a bit up in there with things um, in terms of uh, who's going to go go down. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at Wigan now. They're on 54 points. A points deduction would take them to 42, which would put them rock bottom. So there's some legal proceedings happening with Chef Wednesday as well, and, and I'm yeah. pretty certain it's been said that they're going to they're going to sort it out and make a decision on that one as well before yeah. end of, end of season. So they've only got three games and, and a couple of weeks left to do it. And if you take if they take 12 points off Chef Wednesday, that puts them on 43 which is the same as Barnsley, but with a better goal difference. So Barnsley will be, even if even if Barnsley can't get out of the bottom three, they're still going to be determined to get as many points on board as they can because they'll, they'll have to play and work on the assumption that oh, yeah. if Wednesday and Wigan yeah. are going to get points yeah, off them. I'm not, like I say, I'm not totally... Well, against us, I'm not totally writing them off because they have got players to hurt us. Um, and it's a weird one with Barnsley because the, I've watched them a couple of times this year and they play some nice stuff. I think the problem with Barnsley is they, just, they, they can't defend. And that's No, I, I, I've watched them a few times and, and they are actually, I do actually like watching them because, like you said, they do play some nice the, They're a young side, they're, they're, they're enthusiastic, they're, they've closed teams down and they've got some good players. But I, I think when you've watched them, they're just, like I said, defensively, they're just, they haven't been good enough. And that's the, why. They're soft in defence and the toothless up front. It's yeah, a simple case. Because uh, one player you, that sticks out for me for them since lockdown that's not really, obviously, Barnsley fans are probably able to say different. And I, I would. I would have minded him at Leeds actually. He's Carly Woodrow. He um, he was scoring quite regular for him, obviously early on in the season, and I don't think he scored since lockdown. I might be didn't, wrong. Didn't he pick up an injury though and yeah, missed a few yeah. games? But he, he would have big, could have been a big, played a big part. But I think he, I, he's I, one of them where Barnsley would be open to stay up because they want to keep players like yeah, that. Because if they I went down, they'd definitely not. I think they would lose him. I think. Uh, They'd lose uh, Alex Moat in middle of park, and I think he signed a contract. Uh, but, but what do contracts mean nowadays? It doesn't mean oh, usually clubs these days they get a player to sign a contract. Just they yeah. they have like an agreement with player, and they said to player, yeah, yeah. look, we can't afford to lose you for now, so well, you're free to go if you want to go, but please sign a contract so we can yeah. at least get some money for you. Well, I think so, um, just to kind of finish this off. Um, I think the longer they leave it, it does put a little bit of a mockery on on the end of the championship. You know, with the points deductions, I think it the, does. the authorities have got to get a move on quickly. I know we've had lockdown and and things like that, but you it's, talk, it's, they've had plenty of time, mate. It's an absolute shambles. You're costing, me. you're going to cost te- teams losing money by playing now, um, and you could be potentially costing some teams even more money. And I, I just don't think it's fair. They've got to. They've got to sort it out quickly, and then at least everybody knows where they stand. Because obviously, if if I were, it's mad if, really. Because if 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 a club, say for example, the, the punish a club because the club's skin and they go into administration. So what they do is they say, right, because you because you skint, you've gone into administration. We're gonna um, your punishment is we're gonna take twelve points off you. So then they take twelve points off them. So then they get relegated. And then, bear in mind the skin anyway, and they're on verge of going out of existence. 
they're relegating, which then means that they're then going to get less money in. So they're going to be even more skint. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it depends on circumstances and depends. depends. Well, this is the puzzling one with Wigan because I don't know the ins and outs as such, but I read they've recently got taken over. Um, but then I don't know if something happened because I, I did that. Well, I, I say I heard, heard a rumour that the chairman or something had put a bet on him to go down and that's why he's put him in administration, which is absolutely horrendous if that's the case. <laughs> I've not heard that, but if that's true, that's appalling. That, that's the, apparently the the big rumour. Um, right. Uh, you see, I don't know how it works because if that's, I think that's why there's been a bit of a, a stinker, a, a, well, a big fuss about that one with Wigan because I think it was um, Rick Parry, the EFL fella, that, that got him some kind of leaked on a video um, and he pretty much said something along that lines, and I think that's why Wigan fans have obviously it's they've not realised because I think when clubs do it administration, you kind of it was a shock, you know, when it got announced at first. I'm like, God, because I think with some administrations, you kind of see it coming. Do you know what I mean? See, Wigan for me, I I always remember Wigan as being like a, when Dave Whelan were there and that. Being a pretty well well run club, really. Yeah. So it was a shock to me. Yeah, and I, I, that's why I think the, I, I, like I say, I think there's a little bit more to it with Wigan, um, to be honest. Because you see, it's never been the one with the Chef Wednesday. Um, I think it's a similar charge to what Derby did, um, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the Chef Wednesday one's a bit a bit of a weird one for me. Um, I I don't because it's like because. They're supposed to have sold the ground, aren't they, to, to raise money or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, they've got to they've got to suspect some foul play somewhere because if you think about it, right, if a club go, goes is skin and goes into administration, then you automatically get deducted like twelve points. You get punished for it. Yeah. Right. So for Chef Wednesday, if Chef Wednesday were in a position where they were in danger of going into administration and not being able to pay wages and stuff like that and they needed to raise money I don't understand what they've done wrong by selling the ground to raise money I think if unless we were a EFL logistics rules per person I don't think most people would understand mate to be honest with you well I, this is what I mean I don't get it because surely it's not against the league rules to not own your ground I think it's just plenty like, of clubs don't own the ground. I think it's just like I don't know, so not so much bending the books, but do you know what I mean? Like it's like moving your assets, isn't it, to different yeah, places? Yeah, it is. But sometimes, if you're gonna go skin, if you're gonna be skin, you sell your assets to stop going skin. It's exactly well, the same where, in, in business and in real life. I think if they you're gonna to, go bankrupt, you need to sell something. You sell it. The, the authorities, I won't say give team's leeway but they need to kind of understand certain things now we've obviously with what's happened with COVID-19 they've got to kind of not so much sympathise with these clubs but they've got to uh, be a bit more lenient yeah um, and and obviously kind of help them in, in a way instead of just punishing them yeah uh, if, if they've gone bankrupt because they've been irresponsible then then that, that's just that's tough luck. It's their own fault. They should manage the money and stuff like that. But if they've gone bankrupt because it's not really any fault of their own, then that's a different matter. Yeah, definitely. So, anyway, I think we'll end it on that, mate. Um, been a good uh, good show. Um, hopefully, next time we're on, uh, it leads will be a Premier League club. <laughs> and, uh, and Oxley might have... Uh, Stop arguing with people on Twitter and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who have Newcastle got next? Uh, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure, mate, to be honest I think, with you. I think, I think we'll have Spurs well, next, kind actually. Of, is it Spurs? Yeah. Oh, dear. He might, might not be on next week then. So he might not be on, but if they win, I might not be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we could have a drunken me next week and uh, <laughs> either one, yeah. or, one or other. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Um, Anyone that's been listening, thanks for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, you'll hear another show from us soon. So 
We'll see you next time. Hopefully, there's a threesome again. Yeah, that sounds a bit wrong. <laughs> I know. Oh. <laughs> right, thanks, you. See ya. Bye. I can't help but live in the moment. The Fatback 3 podcast every Monday at 4 p.m.